Hello, everyone, and welcome into CrushTheStreet.com. I'm Kenneth Emendary, and I'm joined today with a returning guest, Dr. Doom, returning guest of the Gloom Boom <laughs> Doom.com uh, website. He's a very famous uh, and respected analyst of the macro economy and somebody who I've <laughs> just had a pleasure uh, speaking with in the past. And, you know, we're going to follow up on uh, some of the things that I have questions about gold, silver, what's going on with the economy. I mean, we got COVID just on the ramp, ramp up again. A uh, new variant is threatening uh, the world uh, after the 15 days to flatten the curve. It doesn't seem like there's a real handle on what is happening on the virus front. And I think this is gonna have implications on the global economy. So. We're going to talk about that today. What's priced in? What isn't? Uh, Mark Faber, everyone. Uh, Mark, thanks for coming on the show with me once again. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Well, uh, you're you're such a contrarian thinker, somebody who's uh, who's made money doing that and and has articulated what is going on in the world. So you're not bound by some narrative. That's one thing I like about you. So I really want to get your thoughts on. What's going on right now? I mean, 15 days to flatten the curve. Uh, the variants, the viruses keep mutating. People are dying from it, uh, whether it's people that are unhealthy, you know, what have you. I mean, I, I can argue that the doctors aren't treating this. I've, I've had COVID. Uh, I called my doctor. He said to treat it, you know, like I have the flu or cold or something. And uh, that's just, you know, it, ridiculous. I mean, there's ways to actually treat this and treated early and so many scientists have shown and doctors that aren't controlled are showing that you can treat this and have success doing it if you do it early. And, uh, and so anyways, there's just so much to go down that rabbit hole, but really as it pertains to the world, I mean, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing right now with that pandemic? Well, as you know, uh, first they said it came from, uh, meat market where there were bats and then whoever said that it comes from a lab in Wuhan he was a conspiracy theorist so they dismissed the people that claimed that it came from a lab and now it's quite obvious that it came from a bat lab and it's quite obvious and it's proven that the U.S partly financed research in that lab, research that was very dangerous, that they were not permitted to undertake in US laboratories, but it could be done in Wuhan because it's China. So that they first denied, and now it's obvious, it's been proven. There are papers out there that show that this happened and so I think a lot of lying has been uh, undertaken by government officials and hiding. And uh, Rand Paul, he pointed this out, and others, Tom Cotton as well, and so forth. So the credibility of these experts like Fauci have to be questioned, and also the integrity. That I want to point out. It is unusual. Any, any suspicion as to why they're lying? Is there, I mean, I, I know the there there's a big cult community that want to say it's just an anti-vax thing, but is there truth to that? Is there money that's to be made 
uh, in the vaccines that people are just being fed <laughs> towards vaccines? I mean, is that something you're willing to agree with or do agree with or somewhere along the spectrum agree with? <laughs> Well, I'd say, yeah, there's a lot of money in vaccines and uh, for some companies and, you know, for the money to flow under some tables. And so, yes, there are lots of people who are interested in having vaccines and having the money flow through vaccines to certain parties that are involved. It's like Afghanistan. Afghanistan has a GDP per capita, uh, GDP annually of 20 billion, and they spend something like 100 billion. Where do you think the 80 billion went? Not even 20 went to Afghanistan, maybe five, and the rest went to related parties and government officials and the military brass and so forth and so on. So, I mean, you have to question the integrity of uh, the governments that uh, we were told represented the interest of the people because we as democracies are the best system in the world and the only fair system in the world and so forth and so on. And uh, you asked me what has happened. Well, I can tell you that never in history before have governments closed down your businesses and uh, told some people you have to stay home and you can't go out and have a smoke outside your house, even if the ground on which you were smoking uh, was owned by you. You understand? This is now the heaviest infringement into people's personal freedom that has ever existed anywhere in the world. And then you ask me, well, why that? Uh, I also ask myself, but do you understand? In the Bolshevik revolution in Russia, after the revolution, everybody was worse off than before. Not that they were rich before under the Tsar, but after the communists took over, Things really deteriorated. And I've been to communist countries, many in the 60s and 70s. I've seen it with my own eyes, how backwards, economically speaking, these communist countries were compared to free market economies. So I believe some people may be behind the system is like, who can believe that Biden is running the US? Nobody in his right mind uh, can believe that someone who is as absent-minded, to put it mildly, and confused as Mr. Biden is running the US. There are people behind that tell him what to do. They tell him, sign this paper, sign that executive order, and so forth and so on. So I think some people, they just want to destroy the existing system. And uh, then you ask yourself why, maybe they want power, they want more power. But you ask yourself why, because like uh, in the Bolshevik revolution, after the revolution, everybody was worse off, even the rich people.
But this is the trap that many people fall into, that they think, well, we will control everything. And then they realize, well, they don't control everything. And it's too late. So I'm a cynic about all this. I think uh, the conditions will get much worse. It's what? like the Fed. They pr the Fed prints money. If it doesn't help, they print more. If it doesn't help, they print even more. And so these programs, you know, the virus, coronavirus, and so forth, uh, it shut down the economy. They will not stop there. They will go on. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. It really does seem like this is not stopping anytime soon, which is the fallacy of this tapering, this whole idea that we're going to uh, somehow tighten the screws on, on what's going on in the economy. I know that the federal unemployment had just ended, uh, which is a stimulus that we're going to lose, but it just seems like we're going to have, if, if we lose something somewhere, the government is going to inject somewhere else and to higher and higher degrees especially as we find out that the fixes and the attempt to tighten uh, isn't working. And unfortunately, uh, gold seems to respond quickly to the threat of tightening and the threat of tapering. And uh, as opposed to you know, reacting to all the money printing that has already happened, I mean, I'm shocked we're not at $5,000 gold, uh, three to $5,000 gold, considering what we've seen thrown at the system. I mean, going through 2020 into 2021, it's it's kind of mind-blowing to think that we're only at $1,800 gold with it kind of lackluster. Uh, so, I mean, any thoughts on that? Well, you're right, and maybe not so right. Uh, basically, as you know, in the 60s, gold was at 35. At that time, uh, at $35, and it was fixed under the Bretton uh, Wood Agreement. In the late 60s, when it was at $35, maybe the market uh, was uh, keeping gold artificially low. So let's take a price of, say, around $50, $60, or even $100. So in the late 60s, we're at $100. We went to $1,000 in 1980. Then we fell to $255 in 1999, 98. And now we're $1,800. So, you know, kind of, if I say uh, purchasing power, I think uh, $100 in 1965, 70 and today 1800 i'd say it's kind of kept its purchasing power yeah. but i agree with you that say gold as you know made a peak in september 2011 at uh, 1925 or 1921 <coughs> and now we're still below so if we take just the last five, six years, 2011, then we made a low in 2015 at 1,000. We're now 1,800. Uh, the bull market has not been very convincing yet. Yeah. I have to stress yet. And uh, 
part of the reason why it isn't so convincing is that young people and the money printing has led to a frenzy or a madness or a euphoria in other things than gold, like bitcoins and other cryptocurrencies and meme stocks, AMC, GME, and so forth and so on. And when all these uh, things will no longer go up, maybe the speculator's interest will move back into gold. But he's not sure. And I think they are... They are probably commodities that are more attractive than gold right now. Maybe the agricultural commodities or uranium and so forth. But in general, I would say for the man on the street like myself, I always put some money in gold. I've never sold any gold in my life. I don't look at it as a trading vehicle. I look at it as a AAA insurance company. Hmm. But you understand, under the socialists and the communists and the interventionists, AAA is not AAA anymore because they can change the rules of the game. They can yeah. do that. They did it in 1933. They can take it away from you. They yeah, can also it's insane. take it away from you. You understand? The, the dishonest people will stop now at nothing to uh, kind of fortify their positions. Yeah, Mark, it's, um, it is crazy to see what is happening. And, uh, you know, one of the things you brought up is other commodities. Uh, I, I believe that we are going to see uh, gold do well. Uh, it has to. Uh, one day or another, it's going to have its moment in the sun. But it's demoralizing just the point that you brought up, but also in the face of general stocks. Just owning uh, a dumb money ETF for the Dow Jones or S&P 500, it's way down in just a shorter period of time here. And, uh, and same thing with real estate. I mean, look at what has happened. If you just bought a house in January of 2020, you'd be up you know, massively uh, in just the last year. And then going back to 2010, of course, how, how much you'd be up from there. And again, it's in relation to these other things in the face of the most ridiculous money printing I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, and so I think that's what's uh, odd about that. And maybe you can respond to that. And then I have another question for you. Well, my response to that is, as an investor, do you want to pay a high price for gold or a low price? Right. So <laughs> I would argue, yes, for especially gold shareholders, and I also own some gold shares, it's this depressing or distressing that they went down so much. I mean, a lot of gold shares are cut in half or down 40% in a relatively brief period of time. And I think they may still move lower. But at the same time, you know, for me as a buyer of uh, gold, 
I am encouraged that as the price went down, the speculators have been liquidating their long positions. In other words, it's not that they have become kind of bullish. They're very bearish on gold. There's no interest in gold. And as a buyer of anything, you know, as an investor, whether it's stocks or bonds or commodities or books or paintings and so forth, I want to buy low. And so as the price of gold comes down, I'm rather inclined to increase my gold position. Yeah. Yeah, that's in arithmetically, that's what you want to do. And I think it's frustrating, though, for people to not um, see that and have that that wind at their back. Right. Um, so one of the things that you brought up in our previous interviews is just, hey, you know, one of the most depressed sectors is the oil industry and, you know, oil stocks. <laughs> and I had asked you about that. And yes. uh, you know, what's interesting now is, is we're getting a lot of news of what's happening in the, the Western United States with the droughts. And then, you know, what might happen at the Hoover Dam where we might lose, you know, we might lose a, a major power source to so many, uh, you know, Southwestern cities. And so it seems like that along with other things are, you know, creating a, a uranium boom, this idea that, hey, we need to fill the void. Uh, but it also could be uh, another piece of the puzzle as to why we need we need oil and oil being uh, an area of undervalued investment. So uh, what are your thoughts on this and, and energy and the opportunity that there is there? Well, I mean, my basic thought is this. As you know, we have the Green Party and uh, the world is like in a mania for reducing CO2 emissions and making the world a, a clean energy place. But I believe that in order to make the world a clean energy place, the usage of energy will go up a lot. You, you understand? Absolutely. You can make the world clean, but it will take that much more energy. So whether the world really becomes cleaner is another story. Number two, and I want to emphasize to everyone, everything in life has a price, okay? A piece of bread has a price and the steak has a price and the hamburger has a price and the computer has a price and so forth. We can do a lot of things, but if they are very expensive, the question is, should we do it? Or shouldn't we address the problem in a different way? And I can tell you the price of energy, in my opinion, will rather go up. And by the way, since all these Greta Turnberg, whatever theater went on, uh, we had a decline in oil prices and we had a decline in coal prices. But over the last 12 to 18 months, which stocks have been the best performing stocks? Coal stocks. Peabody Energy, the largest coal producer in the US. Also elsewhere in the world, coal producers have done very well stock price wise. And mm. you just mentioned uranium. 
for the last 20, 30 years, nobody wanted to produce energy with uranium. Now they start to wake up that this is the cleanest way to produce energy. And now people also wake up that all these windmills are not particularly environmentally friendly and that they're very costly. And I then, wonder if there's going to be a real and, and turnaround. Please for that, ask though. once all your experts, what do you do with the old batteries of cars? There'll be so many. And certain parts of the battery can't be recycled. So are you going to dump them in Africa somewhere or in your neighbor's garden? Well, uh, Mark, it's one of those things in your neighborhood. If you drop all your batteries in your neighbor's gardens <laughs> <laughs> or in everybody can go and drop it in the white house lane <laughs> i think there might be a delay on our audio because i keep talking over you uh so if anyone starts uh jumping on me in the comments for for talking over you, i apologize <laughs> for that no uh and so yeah it's one of those things i mean i think it takes guts to invest in something that it's probably going to get a lot of flack from your green new deal people and and progressives and and to have the guts to buy it in the face of you know the the flushing out of fossil fuels these initiatives to be done with it by 2030 or 2050 no new fossil fuel cars sold in california uh, after a certain time i mean that's it's hard to invest in that sort of trend and feel confident about it they already have now power shortages and uh, it will be interesting to see how these power shortages will look like when everybody charges his battery at night yeah absolutely well, Mark, uh, now, I'm not ruling out that they may invent a new form of battery and so forth. But you will see it will be a contributing factor to prices going up more than expected. I mean, the government pub publishes now inflation figures of, say, in the US around 4% per annum. I think most people maybe not everybody, but most people, they are going through a period during which most prices for them go up by 10% per annum, maybe 8%, maybe 12% and so forth. But it's closer to 10% than to the 4% the government is publishing. Yeah, Mark. It's uh, it's definitely one of those things where it's you can't even trust what's happening from the government, the numbers, what they're saying, and we're seeing that on so many levels now. I, I'm I'm fearful to a certain degree is how quickly we're losing control of the Western world, and what that future might look like for my my children right now who are being homeschooled because uh, <laughs> I feel like the public education system has gone down so quickly, so fast, and. And I mean, just the things that they're teaching in school now, it's like, I, I want to have a little more control. And, you know, we look for smaller groups and co-ops and different things like that, where there's a little more like-minded uh, social atmospheres. But 
I, we're losing the Western world uh, very quickly. The U.S. is 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 fleeing. I mean, my mom grew up in Argentina, and she's like, the things we're seeing now are the things that third world countries deal with, coming from the government, the lies, and the lockdowns and the restrictions. This is this is relatively new, and it's happened so quickly. So, I guess if you could share some closing yes. thoughts here, and just you know, what are your thoughts in general as things go forward, and maybe some advice for people. Well, that's why some people in the US, they love the immigration from Latin America and especially from people like AOC. Uh, this lady, if she could, she would introduce a kind of a Venezuelan system into the US and it may still happen. It hasn't happened yet, but it's on the way. And uh, I think if you look if you look at history say in a hundred years you will say the us uh, had rapid economic growth rapid development in the 19th century then in 1913 they introduced the central bank and they introduced a larger and larger government apparatus as a percent of the economy you, you understand the government spending as a percent of the economy has been growing from 1910 to today from say 10% to 40% approximately maybe a little bit little bit more and so forth but approximately the larger the government is the slower economic growth will be but this is not the way the socialists see it they think they're so smart, they think the people need to be led and that they know better than you do. Also with COVID, all these experts, they have an inbred arrogance where they tell people, well, this is the way it is. They will Mark. never question their wisdom. They will never admit that they made a mistake. They lie continuously, but they will never admit that they lied. And the worst part of all this, these are people, they are put into responsible positions like uh, Milley in uh, Afghanistan. And nobody makes them accountable. They can mess up something, nothing happens. People accept that. Yeah. I always say, if I was 35 years old, I would like to start a revolution. <laughs> mm. But at my age, I ask myself, yeah, I still like to start a revolution. But for whom? For people that are happy to have more government, young people, uh, as you know, about 60% of young people, they think the government should do more. Yeah. Well, the more the government does, the less freedom you will have. Yeah. Prosperity then, produces complacency, right? That's, that's, and that's what we've had. It's, it's a cycle of, of rice paddy to rice paddy of complacency that we are seeing uh, with the new generations. 
And unfortunately, people like that instant gratification. People like that stimulus check that they get. They're more connected to that instant cash than they are to the debt or the cost on the back end. I mean, they don't, you know, you go to go rent a car now, maybe it costs you $200 a day uh, to buy a house. It's, it's $100,000 more than it was a year ago, but they're happy that they received, you know, a thousand, couple thousand dollars, you know, a few thousand dollars if you got some kids on the front end, but they're paying for it. We're all paying for it on the back end. But, you know, the good news is if you own assets, it's going into assets and that's where it's being reflected. And so um, that's what I will recommend people do own assets because that the, it's yes. the decline of the dollar that we're facing. Yeah, yeah, sure. I understand all this and I agree with you. There's no question about this, but you expressed before some frustration that the gold price wasn't higher. <laughs> and to this, I respond, yes, this is correct. Because when you print money, you don't know exactly where it will go to. So in the last few years, say, over the last 18 months, uh, let's say, February, well, actually, the Fed started to print again in August 2019, okay? <clears throat> but initially it was in a small, in a slow mode, sm uh, slow motion. But after the introduction of COVID-19, it exploded. So during this explosion, what went up the most were essentially uh, cryptocurrencies and meme stocks. The first ones were cannabis stocks. Everybody was in cannabis stocks. Then they dropped 90%. And everybody went into GME and AMC and so forth. They'll also go to zero eventually. But uh, the gold, they, hasn't, they haven't received all the money. So this is the problem of money printing. It doesn't lift everything like evenly. Some things will go up and some don't move for a while Absolutely. and eventually what you will see and if you look at the capital market say the bond market is probably still a bit larger than the equities market worldwide if you keep on printing money as they will likely do then there will be a point when bonds will no longer move up but collapse and as you said, the dollar and other currencies will also collapse, paper currencies, but maybe not so much against each other. Maybe they just collapse against gold, silver, and platinum, and against real estate, as has happened recently, and so forth. Yeah. It feels like hyperinflation is already happening in certain instances. I mean, if you have to own a home now, it's almost impossible. If you got to start right now, getting out of college, it's, it's ridiculous to, to even consider that. And they're even making headlines as to why you shouldn't own homes anymore, be forever renters. But what's that going to lead to? Just mega uh, big hedge funds owning all the real estate in the US and, and it just real estate continuing to go higher and everyone renting? I mean, I think that's where it's heading. This is a good point. Uh, home ownership is down. 
the number of people working is down as a percent of the population and so forth. So we have very unusual conditions at the present time. A friend of mine, he went the other day, he lives in the south of the US, he went to buy a car and he wanted uh, whatever model, I, I don't remember, but the price of that car was $50,000. He had to pay 70,000 mm. to get it. I mean, this has never happened before. Even in the high inflation of the 70s, uh, the, you could get any car you wanted at the price that was the listed price. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So just I'm depending on a, a, an hour of paycheck is not is not where it's at anymore. You have to be able to scale with inflation uh, and think beyond what's going on because you can't be tied to an hourly paycheck now. You have to be able to grow with the money printing some way, somehow. Well, I think the paychecks will go up uh, because if they don't go up, there'll be tremendous labor shortages. So the, the, the companies and so forth will have to pay up but that will reinforce the inflation, you understand? And so I think we are probably in a rather dangerous situation. And the Federal Reserve and their lackeys and the employees, they all sit there and say, well, it's all transitory. Absolutely. Well, hopefully people start getting back to work because we're at a point right now where there's like more job openings then there are uh, people to fill the job. I mean, it's like insane, you know, what's happening right now. It's everything so backwards. Uh, you know, Amazon, all these companies are having to give people bonuses to get people to work for them. And how does the, the small mom and pop shop compete with that? Sure, Amazon might be able to pay the bonus. McDonald's can pay the bonus. But if you want to start a business now, now you're competing with uh, high labor prices, artificially high labor prices that weren't around prior. And that's just so unfortunate. You said before, it's insane. This is what socialism and communism and government interventions lead to insanity. There's only one way to allocate resources efficiently. And we've proven it. The world never became richer than under the capitalist and market economy, but that they want to destroy. They want to destroy the small businessman. Amazon benefits. Mark, and if people want to learn more who, about think, you, the work you're doing, well, please share some closing thoughts and, and just where they can go and, and get more information on this contrarian thinking, you know, things that are outside the box that aren't filtered by CNN and Fox and mainstream news. Well, I think that, uh, quite frankly, everybody should prepare not for a return to normalcy, uh, to normal conditions as we had before 2018, 2019. But actually, quite frankly, I would prepare for things to get much worse. I'm not happy to say this, and I used to travel a lot, maybe, you know, time-wise, 
seven, eight months out of a year, I was traveling and now I can't because uh, it's so troublesome to travel and some countries don't accept you at all, <laughs> even if you have a vaccine. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I don't want to take a vaccine that has be been developed in a very brief period of time. And we don't know whether it's good or not so good. The fact is simply that countries that have a very high vaccination rate, like Israel, they have the most cases now. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess the one question I have about that is are people that are getting the vaccine, are they getting it to a lesser degree because they have some antibodies? And I that's the argument now. That's what Fauci is pushing. That's what a lot of the doctors I speak with that, you know, are kind of hook, line and sinker <laughs> on the vaccine is that, well, you're you they are getting it, but they're not getting it as bad. And they're, they're not filling up the ERs the way uh, the unvaccinated population is. That is what they say. But as you know, the COVID is mutating constantly. So there is no vaccine against that kind of uh, organism that is mutating the whole time. And you can only hope that over time it loses its potency uh, or that the mortality rate goes down. The mortality rate has been right from the beginning, very low. It's not the pandemic where if you get COVID, the likelihood of you dying is very high. A lot of people have COVID, they don't know about it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so you much know, for coming on the show. Politicians, they have sicknesses. Most of them wouldn't know about what they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're not treating it either. I mean, that's the other problem. You know, all, you're getting COVID and you're not We talk about treated. insanity. They're all insane. Yeah. All right, uh, Mark, thank you so much for your well, time. I, you've welcome. been so generous. So I really appreciate you coming on the show with us today.